In Edinburgh, during high summer, there are lots of tourists on the streets. The stretch of road going from Holyrood Palace, where the Queen stays when in town, uphill to the iconic Edinburgh Castle is called the Royal Mile. On the high street, bagpipers blow out echoes of the highlands. Someone dressed as William Wallace poses for photos. And one of those people all covered in silver spray paint stands still, trying to spook passerbys. It's a weird way to make money. During the Fringe Festival, there's no room to hide. Performers pass out leaflets promoting their one-person show about bagels. A bald man in a kilt juggles swords atop a ladder. It looks thrilling, until you think that he's probably been doing it for the last 20 years. It is vibrant and alive, yet it can feel too close, encroaching, claustrophobic. It is best to wander off the tourist maps in times like these. Just off the Royal Mile, like ribs on the spine, are numerous narrow lanes, shadowy thoroughfares, and cavernous alleys between time-worn tenement buildings. They have names like World's End, Advocate, and Flesh Market. They stretch up and close in like canyons, and wind through Edinburgh's past. It is only right that the Scots' words for these dark passages are wind and close. Follow them through to find quiet courts, hidden community gardens, and dead ends. Down one close there is a church, but barely. It is concealed by the buildings around it. Imagine, if you can, one of those vibrant church stained-glass windows, muted by blonde sandstone. It's not a result of poor planning, but it stands as a puzzle piece of the city's past. Squeezed for space, Edinburgh slotted new builds in and around existing structures. It pushed old windows up against new walls, and the city even further in on itself. Other puzzle pieces of the past exist just off the Royal Mile. Instead of looking through a narrow wind, one must go down to the numerous vaults and chambers underground. These close in on you in a different way, surrounded by the past where people lived hard and serial killers roamed. Down in the vaults, the royal refinement of the tourist trail dissolves like echoes in a cave. This is Secret Passages, a podcast about the stories found in hidden tunnels, subterranean networks, and other mysterious portals. I am E.S. Rodenbiker. The Edinburgh of the 18th century was not as refined as it is today, especially in the Cowgate Valley. Fires kept burning down buildings, illness was endless, and seedy characters mixed with the poor and newly arrived Highlanders cleared from their land, displaced to the only part of the city that would have them. 
Just off to the south of the Royal Mile, a bridge began construction in 1785. It connected the growing university to the new suburbs being built in the north. It added an extra benefit to allow well-to-do Edinburghers to literally step over the down and out in the Cowgate streets below, sweeping them under the bridge like dirty leaves on the ground. Spanning 1,000 feet, 19 underground vaults interlock like puzzle pieces propping up the bridge. Under these stone vaults, flooring was constructed creating winding tunnels in the dark, leading to open chambers large enough for storage. Craftspeople saw an opportunity. Merchants and tradespeople took residence. In the vaults, there were workshops for cobblers, milliners, and smelters. Taverns and distilleries opened up, as well as a pretty popular oyster bar. For decades, these businesses thrived, but soon the vaults closed in on them. Due to rushed construction of the bridge above, the vaults were not waterproof. Walls seeped wetness and boggy rain pooled up in corners. Ventilation was never considered, and the vaults became uninhabitable. And although the merchants left, activities suited for dark chambers did not. Empty vaults and hidden tunnels attracted another kind of trade, prostitution. Nothing sets the mood quite like a leaky tunnel under a bridge. But others filled the vaults too, especially those down and out, the sick and the city's poorest. Families crammed together in cubbyholes designed for industrial storage, surrounded in sickness and violence. Medicine bottles and toys have been excavated, showing the remains of these hard lives. The empty vaults also gave Edinburgh's most notorious serial killers, Burke and Hare, place to store and transport their victims. Just as the lives of people under the South Bridge became more difficult and unbearable, an enlightenment was taking place up above. New discoveries in science and technology were making Edinburgh the European capital for philosophical inquiry, debate, and scientific experiment in Athens of the North. Advances in medicine were taking place nearly every year, and the university's medical departments, including the Royal Infirmary, Surgeon's Hall, and Surgeon's Square, were just off the Cowgate. It turns out there is a cost to advancing science, and two lads from Ireland were happy to provide the price. Burke and Hare found how lucrative providing cadavers to the medical department at the University of Edinburgh could be. The fresher, the better. One surgeon who held a popular lecture on anatomy at Surgeon's Hall paid Burke and Hare to keep the bodies coming. The only problem is that Burke and Hare were not grave robbing or body snatching from morgues. They were killing the living. 
1828, Burke and Hare first got involved with cadavers by moving a recently deceased lodger in their building with no immediate kin to the hands of the surgeon Robert Knox. In lectures, Knox liked to display real body parts. Naturally, the popularity of the subject increased, and more students came to Edinburgh. New experiments on recently deceased bodies was needed to advance the science. The demand for fresh bodies could not meet the supply, which was under strict order of the law to include only prisoners, suicides, or orphans. Remind me never to become a corpse lawmaker. So Burke and Hare kept supplying new bodies to the surgeon at ever high prices, and no questions were asked. No longer able to count on a neighbor down the hall with no family to keel over, Burke and Hare went looking for victims that no one would notice. Down to the cowgate they lurked. They found their victims, mostly women, probably prostitutes, on visits to the vaults. They killed 16 people in their scheme to get rich off the study of surgery. The Cowgate provided another convenience for the serial killers. The South Bridge was built to connect the university buildings with the suburbs in the north. And under the surgeon's hall, there was an opening to a passage from the vaults that was just big enough for bodies to be transported through. When Burke and Hare delivered their victims, they found unused vaults to use as storage. This means that recently dead bodies were being housed next to poor families staying in the vaults. The conditions so rotten that the line between alive and dead unnoticed. Move over, Tiny Tim. Charles Dickens ain't got nothing on that level of poverty. After the horrors of Burke and Hare were revealed, and the men hung in the streets for their crimes, the city filled up the vaults with rubble from a recent fire, and walled up the entrances. The dark vaults would remain quiet for 150 years, containing traces of the poor and murdered, craftspeople and imbibers, as well as the slow, seeping drops of dirty rain falling on forgotten stone. In the 1980s, the vaults would be rediscovered. The owner of the Tron Bar on Blair Street, an ex-rugby international player for Scotland, found one of the walled-up vaults in the building's basement. He cleared it out over the years, letting in archaeologists to exhume the remains of the ignored of Edinburgh's past. It is easy to miss the other lives of a city when staying on a path of castles and palaces. The past is not always so refined. 
It takes wandering off the path to discover quiet gardens, hidden churches, and walled-in treasures. The owner of the bar opened the vaults to bands to use as rehearsal rooms and performing space. The echoes of guitars off the chamber walls rattle the past and upholds Edinburgh's underground spirit. Today the vaults are not as grim, but it depends on the quality of the band. Sometimes they really kill it. Passages is researched, written, and produced by me, E.S. Rodenbiker. New episodes are every two weeks. If you like what you hear, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It truly helps. And subscribe on Spotify or Apple. You can get in contact with me at secretpassagespodcast.com or follow along with the latest updates on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you have a secret passage story to tell, please let me know and I may even include it in a future episode. This episode is thanks to a couple of Edinburghers, Haley and Ross. Thanks for listening, and see you on the other side.